Welcome to my podcast, Normally Unstable, where I discuss a variety of topics involving mental health. This is a space where vulnerability is invited and stories are shared. Today, we got my homegirl, May Woo, in the house. What hello, up? Hello, hello. May Woo, what it do? Now, um, May Woo is actually one of my, my dearest, closest friends, and um, we go way back. We go way back. Um, but we went to college together, but we actually got closer when I um, moved here in the Bay. and. Shoot, every turn up, every time I need <laughs> advice, uh, every networking event. Um, she's been, you know, through and through just a great friend to me. So I'm so glad that she was gracious enough to come on the podcast and, uh, you know, chat with us today. So well, thank you. Thank you. No, and I feel the exact same way about you. And even though, like, I hate, I say I hate you, <laughs> there's so much love. But yeah, you know, that's. You'll see the hate love maybe in this uh, in this episode today. <laughs> well, again, like I really appreciate you coming. Like what I'm really excited about is just, um, you know, for some of our listeners, they don't even know. I was like, we've been stressed. Just like living in the Bay, going to work, you know, trying to navigate our careers. And just we, we have conversations all the time about like how we're stressed and how we deal with those things from a coping perspective and, you know, try to uplift each other. And I was like, yeah, how about you just hop on the podcast and how about we just, you know, talk it out um, and just have everyone listen to, you know, some of the things that we do to get us through each and every day, especially when, you know, life gets hard and we all go through those things. So, yeah, what's been going on in your world? Yeah, and you're totally right because we do this all the time. So, you know, when you wanted me and invited me to come on, it just made sense. But what's been going on? So, like, I just feel... When you're in the Bay, there's just, and I've been reflecting about this recently, is that when you're in a busy city without family, it's just go, go, go. And you're so focused, which is great, but you're so focused on your goals, on what you want to accomplish, about your individuality, figuring things out, that there's no moment to breathe and kind of be able to be in the comfort around family at all times, whether it's have a meal or just chat and sit and do nothing um and when we do do nothing it's it's because we have to cope with the stresses of everyday life it's not to like kick it with family and loved ones like you can when you're at home you don't you have any family out here huh uh i have an aunt and a cousin and okay. i see them every once in a while yeah. oh, okay got you so how does that make you feel does it make you feel more comfort yeah, especially when I first moved out here, I actually lived with them for two weeks and then found my own spot. So, and they've been so kind and so amazing. And my aunt's a great cook. So <laughs> Is this your first time away from, you're from Portland, right? Born, yes. born and raised? Born and raised. It's your first time away from home? Because we went to school in Oregon, so it's like your first time, like, just away from the state of Oregon? Uh, I did a study abroad in high school in Japan for three months, but not really and then i did do a summer uh, job in oakland before i moved here like three years before i moved here but living full-time without family for sure what's your family like family? yeah i know you're, you're very privately private about that but like what are they like you don't have to go into detail or anything like that but you got like yeah what are they like oh that's so true i like never post my family um <laughs> But that's because none of them really have Instagram or Facebook. So me posting them would just be like it. They wouldn't even see it, you know. And so I think that's the reason why I don't really post them. And I like to keep things separate in my life, yeah. which I'm actually working on not doing that. Um, why? Or not not doing that, but opening up to the idea of, you know, I can and, you and know. Invite people into that space sometimes. Yeah, because I kind of set these hard lines, but I'm... 
thinking that I think it's important to, if it makes sense, to blend things together. But that's the difference. But there's balance. There's balance to it. Balance yeah, important. we just got to figure out the right. I'm the same way. I think I've posted my mom once, my grandma once, my brother once, and I've had Instagram for since for like eight, nine years. So. Yeah, I feel that. So let me know how that works with you. <laughs> Maybe I might do that in 2020 as well. Yeah. Well, I don't know if family's the one thing that I want to quite blend right yet, <laughs> like just yet. But, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, family and I guess looking at my social media, you may not see that I'm someone who's really um, involved with my family. I talk to them all the time. They really mean a lot in my values. And so but family's super important. I only have my immediate family in Portland and my family's very, I wanna say, introverted in how they interact with other people. So we're very much like, we keep to ourselves in general. So it's, I'm really just reflecting on how my family is in the way I interact on social media or um, just everyday conversation about my family. I'll talk about them and if you hang out with me, I'll tell you like, oh, I'm my niece and nephew or my, my brothers and my family or I'm going back to Portland to visit my family. But since we're more introverted, we're really tight knit. Uh, we actually don't have a ton of family in Portland or close relatives in the US. The closest people are in Hong Kong and China, even though a ton of our family has moved away from there. It's just the older generation that my my parents keep in touch with. Um, my dad's best friend lives in China, so he's, you know, that's who he communicates with the most. Are you first generation here in the States? Yes, I'm first generation, and I'm the first one in my family to be born in the US. My brothers are actually born in China. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah. So how's that been? Um, it's, well, I guess on another note, I met my brothers for the first time when I was two because my mom had moved out here by herself, mm. and then my dad came had me, then my dad had to go back, and then my brothers came. Actually, no, I went with my mom to pick up my brothers when I was two, which I have no recollection. <laughs> but uh, I would say there, I don't, I didn't notice a, just as much of a difference when I was younger because my brothers were also going through this kind of phase where they were trying to figure out their Chinese identity and also their American identity and how to balance that with my parents. And I had the same thing. And so we kind of built a really close bond. My brothers and I, I have two brothers. They're both older by seven and nine years. Even though there's that big age gap, I wanna say that worked in our favor. We're really close. Um, I tell them everything. I used to lie to my parents a ton. Like- <laughs> Troublemaker. Oh, I would lie. There, I would say like, I probably went a whole year once telling more lies than the truth to my parents. But um, I say that to say that my I would always be honest with my brothers and as honest as possible. Very um, great communication with them and I. And so, um, but now I notice a difference because I like to do things that are different than my brothers um, and my parents. They like to eat more of the same foods, but I have like a very, I want to say Western Asian palate <laughs> and they don't, they like, like very specific cuisine and I don't value those things. <laughs> They're like, oh, we have this great, I don't know, abalone and I'm like, oh. What is abalone? It's a, a type of seafood. Oh. Or they'll talk about this meat that they marinate and stew in a certain way. It's like this part of a cow and those are, or like this 
urchin or I don't know, some crazy thing <laughs> that I'm just like, I don't find exciting. And the things I find exciting, they don't value in food. And so I'm seeing a very difference in our, in our taste in cuisine and food, which is really interesting to me. And I've only recently realized, because when I go back to Portland, I find myself like being hungry at home and like having to purchase, like go to the grocery store and buy my own set of things, which is kind of strange, but I'm trying to integrate the things I like to the things they like. So we'll, yeah. Just being a person that's first generation in the United States, like what was your upbringing like? <laughs> so different and so much to explain, but as much as I <laughs> a can- A loaded question. A <laughs> loaded question. A uh, lot to unpack, but you know, I'll get to as much as I can, but I would say that having to code switch at a very young age to realize, because you realize that, and I'm sure a lot of people from different backgrounds, even whether they're first generation or not, um, it's just that being first generation, your parents are probably still very rooted um, and still hold a lot of their culture and bring it here and kind of uh you're trying to keep it and so they really strong feelings about what they believe in and their culture and so and also a different you can see that their personality and their values and how they interact with people is so different than in the u.s and western cultures because most asian cultures are they're a collective society so everyone thinks for others others in their family when you make one decision it affects and trickles down whereas in the u.s it's like individualistic you want to stand out you want to be different when you do things it's for you and you know to enhance yourself but maybe not enhance everyone in your family so having to balance that has been very uh, i want to say it can be really tricky but i think it's great because you get to see the best of both worlds and I realized that it doesn't exactly matter if you're a first generation from uh, first generation Chinese, first generation Ethiopian, generation Mexican. It's just like everyone goes through that. And I actually found some of my closest friends to have that same kind of background being first generation, but maybe not necessarily Chinese. Got you. When, when have you had the most exposure to different cultures? The way people that you grew up with, people you met in college, or more so people that you met in the Bay? Because for me, I feel like most of the people that I've learned from, like, that I've met from very diverse backgrounds were in the Bay. Like, most of the people I hang out with are, you know, first generation from Ghana or from Nigeria or from, here. yeah, from China <laughs> or from Vietnam. Um, so I've just been interacting with so many different cultures. And I, that wasn't until I came to the place like the Bay, mm -hmm. where it's so diverse, especially within the tech world. So when was, when did you get your first exposure or majority of the exposure to different cultures i went to a very blue collar elementary school um and then that followed in middle school as well and the blue collar elementary school was majority white i was actually like one of the only two asian kids mm. um, how was that it was interesting because my elementary actually i would say elementary school was fine um i got along with everybody i didn't even really notice a big difference but middle school is when i noticed that because there was uh definitely a wealth gap with the feeder schools that came into my middle school and it's crazy because the wealthier the 
the kids their kids were in middle school, the more ignorant they were um, because they would say things like, oh, my mom says uh, Asian people have small eyes or my mom says this, this and that. Wow. And I was like, oh, and to me, I was like, oh, that's, um, I was like, well, I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know like what that's supposed to mean yeah. or I don't know. I don't haven't seen a lot of small-eyed Asians. No, I don't know. What that lack of, a, of exposure to different people, different cultures. That's crazy that you even got that, that you got that at a young age, just being around different cultures. Right. And so then in high school, though, was my kind of first interaction with uh, Asian Americans. My high school was super diverse because it was like 30% each, Af like 30% African, 30% Asian, 30% uh, Latino. Uh, no, 30% African-American. I don't want to say it's African because it was a mixture of people. Uh, and then just a very limited amount of white people, actually, white students. So it was kind of the opposite of my previous experience. And I would say I really enjoyed high school, uh, people from different backgrounds and really understanding everyone's experiences and then seeing how alike we all are, even though we all look so different. Got you. My experience was totally different. <laughs> <laughs> I think like my elementary school was very, very diverse. Um, I still remember one of the first like Asian friends that I met, it was in the third grade. Mm -hmm. um, she was from Indonesia. So that's when I was like, oh, okay, different cultures. And then a different girl came to our school from um, Zimbabwe. And I was like, oh, wow, Africa, okay. So What's the majority of your school? It was pretty, it was like split. It was, you, you had, every, it was all diverse in my elementary school. And then when I went to um, high school, same, I mean, no, middle school, it was same. It was very diverse, um, but I mostly hang, hung out with, uh, you know, black students, um, Hispanic students, because I think that was part of the majority. It wasn't as big of a white population. And then when I went to high school, it was like 90% Hispanic. And that was, it was tough. Like, that was really, really tough. I have my own experiences dealing with, you know, dealing there. Like, that's the first time that I've, I, put, I feel like dealt with racism mm -hmm. came from the, you know, that Hispanic community when I was like growing up, which is pretty, you don't really hear about that, you know, so much about like the first time, cause when you think about racism, you think about like the, you know, the white structures and the people who have power, but actually it was from a, you know, different, this, another minority group where I felt that I was disenfranchised sometimes. I tried to, you know, I felt out of the box cause you know, these people had, they grew up together had cousins all over they hung out all together they had you know quinceadas all the time um, they had this culture and this bond so there's a lot of times where i felt like an outsider although people might not have known that but it's because of sports so mm -hmm. sports is the thing that always kind of kept me busy kept me around people kept me connected within the community but outside of that it was pretty pretty tough um, and i learned most of my i think my hardest life lessons when i was in high school probably oh wow that is such a different experience yeah. i feel like yeah, high school really shaped like just the person that I am today um, for better or for worse. I, I, I think a lot of great things came from that, but I think a lot of negative mindsets and perceptions came out of that um, experience as well. But I will say the first time that I got exposed to, you know, the white culture was college. Like oh. it was my first time, like it was my first time. Like um, I remember one of my official visit uh, during Civil War and I went to the mall after and everyone's like staring at me and I was like, this is my first time around, uh, you know, people uh, that, that were white. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, so that was even an adjustment period. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Did you feel like the spotlight was on you just by going to? Yeah, but the, but 
it's different though like when i was in oregon it wasn't a negative spotlight it was like more so like a spotlight of curiosity of, of like you know do you play sports here like what are you up to like we don't see a lot of people a lot of black people you know in this area so it wasn't like something that like i fear for my safety or it wasn't something like malicious that they're trying to hurt me like normally they'll just stare at me if i say hi they're like oh hi like my name is blah blah blah, blah and they'll like start a genuine conversation with me so um for me my experience at oregon was pretty unique and pretty spectacular whether people knew who i was or not as everyone was like very very friendly although they just you know they do stare and the spotlight <laughs> is on you but it was never really you know malicious from anything that i experienced in my you know four to five years mm-hmm. um being there what about you did you experience anything kind of weird living there being a minority um yeah i would say uh be like being also a minority in eugene and university of oregon there was also, I was a first generation college student. I was the first one in my family to leave home to go to college. Mm. So I was the first one to actually graduate. The first Malone to actually graduate in my family. So Yeah, first one in my family to graduate. My brothers didn't quite make it there, but it's all good. <laughs> Everyone's happy. Everyone, yeah, everyone yeah. has their own path. I mean, I got my two diplomas. They all I have. Oh, you have your master's too. You have your master's yeah, too. yeah. But I like to think that they also, because I wouldn't have gotten it without their help and their um, like guidance. So when I graduated, I was like, we all graduated as a unit. So. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Those are those um, Eastern ties again. Like if you accomplish something, it trickles down to your family. So it's not just you. Yeah, definitely. And so I would say first year University of Oregon, first year of college was horrible. Well, I hated it I so much. I was so deeply depressed. <laughs> Tell your right? story. <laughs> Look, earlier you're like, oh yeah, white people staring at me is cool. <laughs> I didn't say it was cool. I just it was it was non-threatening. It was oh, more okay. it was more so non-threatening. You it was still different. No, no, I didn't say I liked it. It was just non-threatening. Like back home, people could stare at you, and you'll be like, okay, why are you staring at me? Are you trying to like jump me or something? But like they're just like, oh, they probably just want to talk to me, but have not had that much exposure to black people that they're probably nervous or they just want to know why I'm here. So, but that wasn't threatening, so I could deal with that. Yeah, okay, okay, that makes sense. So, (laughs) yes, first year was rough, but I will say the other years, you know, I met some of the most amazing people, um, had some of the best relationships, like friendships, um, and really built a lot of bonds and got to know myself really well um, in college, and I wouldn't trade that for anything, but first year was definitely difficult because my whole mindset was really my career. What am I gonna do? This costs a lot of money. Um, what does this mean for my family? Because education is so valued uh, in my family and a lot of um, Asian families. So when I went there, my whole mindset was don't fail, don't drop out. Like you just have to succeed. But that wasn't the mindset of everybody else in college. It was like what how, when should i start rushing which sorority should i join true, true. what parties to go to like oh my gosh this person's at this party these athletes these people and to me that wasn't anything that was really on my mind yeah going out would be fun but i don't even know how to look up my classes and i don't even know there were guidance counselors you know i don't even know what a college is supposed to be like so i was just trying to figure out college and somewhere along the line I was like maybe I'll go to a party but that wasn't something that was like top of mind for me 
Now that makes sense, because I was turned up, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Hey, I was on honor roll. I, have, I handle business, but I do like to party. Um, so I didn't really know you that well in college. So now that all makes sense why I met you when I moved over here, for the most no, part. Yeah, so, but I think I actually met you freshman year. Because you, because <laughs> who were you? Um, I met Rodney. Rodney, oh, Rodney yeah. Rodney yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Rodney's cool, and I met him through, you know, like my roommate and friends. And you guys are super close. Yeah, we yeah we grew up together. We uh we actually played football together in high school. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we came up from from Colton High all the way to the University of Oregon and played together again. So that was that was exciting. Right. Yeah. I didn't mean I'm going out, so that also makes sense. So. So um you know talking about education just in general and how it's important in your life. How about you just talk a little bit about like your first job out here in the Bay and that oh experience? Gosh. Yeah. First job out in the Bay. So I always so it's crazy. So. Okay, let me rewind. <laughs> yeah. So I got my degree in like social work and then counseling psych afterwards, but in a more research sense. And then after I graduated, I moved out to South Bay in San Jose and I taught for two years. And actually everyone thought I went to school for teaching and that I wanted to teach, but actually that was something I didn't want to do. So I didn't actually want to teach because I always didn't like school. I always hated school. It's <laughs> crazy I got your, my master's. You your master's in teaching. <laughs> I didn't get my master's in teaching oh, though. Uh, I got it in counseling psych, okay, but research, okay, but okay. it was, I got a, a master's in education. But if I took one more term, I would have got a master's in science. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, but I hated school, so I was like, let me just get out of here as quick as I can. Um, yeah, but so, yeah, I never enjoyed school. I always thought it was a horrible system, that it didn't make sense, that really smart kids ended up failing or slipping through the cracks because of other stupid things, but some you know kids that weren't very smart ended up graduating. I felt like I was one of those kids who just kind of was like, you know, cruising on by up until like eighth grade and then high school, I was like, oh, maybe I should actually care about school. I was the kid in middle school that would be messing around in the back of the classroom, like drawing on people with Sharpies and cutting people's hair. Like it was crazy because I actually, probably because I didn't like middle school. But I say this to say that I didn't think I would be teaching, um, but I said, hey, like if I really wanna work with uh, youth and to exercise my degrees, then I should go into teaching because then I get to really interact with the students and the parents, and then also understand a system that I never really liked. So I did it for two years. Um, what grade did you teach? Uh, first year I did second grade, and the next year I taught special ed fourth and fifth. Did you, did you tap into your psych background with that or what? Yeah, I did a lot because I worked a lot with youth. I worked at the juvenile center when I was in college, and a lot of my students were low income, uh, minority students. A lot of their parents don't even speak English, a lot of them speak Spanish, and uh, like, at that point, Trump had just got elected into office. Kids at my school were crying the day after election. Me, yeah, Broke that. my heart. Like, it was so sad. Um, but even though it was such a hard experience, I really loved the kids and the family. But 
really made me continue to not like the education system. I'm not a fan. Um, so yeah, I made a career change. So has, um, you know, working with students with special needs, has that changed your perception of like mental health just in general? Probably because you, you studied it in school. Mm -hmm. So when you actually got into the field and started practicing it, you know, um, working with students with spe special needs, how did that kind of mold your relationship, uh, your overall relationship with mental health? Yeah. Um, if you um, ever, if you even thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about it right now. You're like, oh, huh, I didn't even think about it that way. I thought about my mental health a lot during that time because I was so stressed about other people's mental health, other, other people as in my students and their parents because the students were stressed because they were stressed of what was going on at home. And that made me need, like I needed to talk to and communicate with parents more because I need to understand the situation to help their students succeed. And parents really want to be heard. And that's one thing I really wanted the parents to feel is that I was listening to them and that, you know, I was a part of their support system um, and that school, the school was an advocate. Um, for their child in order to do that i had to make communications uh, communication and relationships with parents so but by learning other people's stories and learning about what's going on with a student it really sticks with you and i know people give summer walker a ton of slack and a lot of shit, but when she said she's an empath i was like okay i can relate with that because other people's emotions really affect my emotions and and that goes like if I see someone cry from across the room, I will just automatically start to like tear up without even knowing what's going on. So, yeah. so with all those emotions that you're feeling, that you're absorbing, all that energy that's kind of on your, you know, your shoulders. How did you, how did you cope? Uh, you know, I don't know. In <laughs> those two years was rough. Um, I have no idea how I coped. Uh, I would say the first year because my boss was a micromanager and and I was working over 60 hours a week my whole life was school work school, like it was just that was all I was doing and um, yeah I don't know I had a toxic relationship that's how I coped <laughs> oh my gosh yeah you normally divulging those yeah I, I wouldn't say that was my recommended coping mechanism of choice but it was just what I fell into because I didn't think I recognized how stressed I was so um what about now how do you cope now how do I cope now because um, I feel like you're you're in a you're in a better space I feel like once you got out of those you know environments you're able to connect with a lot of different people um expand your mind a lot for like even like you know your room you probably saged the entire room before we even started uh you know this podcast so um what are some things that get you through you know get you through the day i've learned to be more mindful of my environment because it really makes a difference and i really value alone time so really making sure that I don't like being at home, but when I am home, I like to be to myself and just relax. But something I've always done is go to a body of water if that's possible. Um, because water, I never understood why being around water was so uh, serene and peaceful. 
but I realized that ever since I was young, I really enjoyed being around any kind of water. It made me feel really tranquil, I felt at peace, and I think, I can't remember when, but maybe high school, in anatomy or something, we're made, with, we're made of over 70% water, or 60% water. Anyways, a majority of us, a majority of our human bodies are made of water, so you feel very comfortable around water. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And that resonated with me. And then, um, and then when I was really young, I had family members say that the whites of my eyes are really blue. And that means I have a lot of water in me. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything. Probably not. Hopefully that doesn't mean I have some kind of sickness. If I do, hit me up. <laughs> and still to this day, they're a little bit more blue. Um, and I can tell how my eyes work. They're a little bit more blue. Um, and I've always felt fearless in water, so I like to be around water as much as I can. I'll walk the lake, I'll uh, go to the beach, or make a point to go to s on vacation where there is water, and yeah. Now it all makes sense. We were just in Santa Cruz the other weekend, and I saw you looking all peaceful by the water, and even we're in the Bahamas. Like, even we're in the Bahamas, you're like chilling. I think one day you went to the beach. I didn't even go with you. You were probably just, just chilling. Yeah, because I mean, water is one of those places where you don't have to go with anybody and you can go with people if you want to. Well, at least for me. And and I've actually felt super fearless in the Bahamas. We were riding on a jet ski with our friend Emmy yep. and we were partnered up and I've already ridden a jet ski before, but he hasn't. And so I rode first and I wore sunglasses because I know that water's gonna splash into my eyes. Yeah. And when it was about to be his turn, while he was about to, or he started writing, and I was like, hey, do you need sunglasses? And he's like, oh, but they're in the back. And I was like, oh, just stop right here. And I just, without, he stopped and I jumped off, <laughs> grabbed the sunglasses, hopped back on, and he goes, are you not scared or worried? And I was like, why? And I realized, that because we're in um, the Caribbean, no, we're not in the Caribbean Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, that especially in like the Caribbean or where there's warmer climates, that there's a lot of animals yeah. really close to shore. Yeah. And there was like stingrays yeah. and barracudas and sharks. Yeah. We actually saw a barracuda right next to us at a different, I mean, I saw a barracuda at this cabbage beach or something that was literally two feet away <laughs> <laughs> and we all ran for our lives but I say this to say that um, I don't hesitate when it comes to water and I feel almost overly fearless which I have to check myself and even when I was really young one of the first times I went to China um, I was like seven and we went to this beach and at this beach, I went with my, I went to China with my dad and one of my brothers and we went to the beach with our family and at this beach there's a mini island not too far from the beach and I was with my family members and my dad and my brothers swim off to this little island and I started getting bored at the beach. So I put on this like floaty thing and seven. Okay. <laughs> so I put on this. <laughs> uh, you know, my mom was worried about me as a kid. <laughs> um, I had this little floaty and I just start paddling over. And mind you, at this time, I didn't know how to swim. 
So I took this little floaty, paddled over to this little island, got off the floaty, got on the island, found my brother, my dad, and said, hey, my dad freaks out. And he's like, oh my God, May, how did you get here? And I was like, with my floaty. And he goes, I think that he's, he was like, wow, my daughter could have died at this time. And he started laughing because he realized that he totally could have lost me to the waters and all he could do was laugh. And to this day, he'll still mention that story because I think he realizes how much she fucked up. Uh. <laughs> and that if my mom found out, you know, he could just never forgive himself, but he laughs because it's like, yeah, he knew he fucked does she, up. Does he know now? Oh, my so. mom, she heard about the story like <laughs> right away. <laughs> Um, no, that's dope. That's dope because um, I remember the first time I was like really exposed to water. My dad threw me in like five feet when I was four. And it was like, figure it out, swim. I did. I yeah, swam. Oh so I've been, I've been swimming ever since. And I, traumatizing? I, it, it wasn't actually. I love water. Mm-hmm. I was like nervous then. Even my brother, when my brother was even like two years old, he was like trying to run and jump into six feet. I did the same thing when I was three. So it was oh like gosh. we've always just loved water. So yeah, yeah. I get that. And um, so what are some like, Something that's been um, helping me out is just like, you know, doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. So like doing this podcast has really just been like helping me through just a lot, talking out a lot of things that I've had very deep, deep inside me, you know, through various conversations. I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know that. So it's been like very, very therapeutic. Um, I know you yourself have a, you know, a podcast. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Let me do a shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> I asked. You're not even plugging it. I asked because I know, because I just know this podcast is very therapeutic for me and hopefully for some of my guests. Mm-hmm. So like, I wonder what your podcast does for you. Right. And uh, actually, it's a little bit weird to be on the other side of a podcast because usually I'm asking questions and you know, narrating and hosting and uh, guiding the conversations. But the podcast really started as just a new year's resolution to focus on a hobby outside of work um and that i could really be passionate and really involved in and i love talking and i know <laughs> damn <laughs> i uh you know love to have conversations and so might as well start a podcast but my so my podcast is to be discussed tbd and it's really exploring topics that we don't talk about because i think there's a lot of things that we don't discuss that we should and that we want to but maybe we're hesitant we're scared and when you have these conversations you find out more about yourself the world and that really we're not all that different um and you gain so much perspective and knowledge and I love having these conversations so I wanted to share that and have a platform to it's really the podcast is for me you know every topic I have so every episode is a different topic but every topic I'm very interested in I love to explore more and every episode I've learned something what are some of the um the various topics yeah uh so episodes on masculinity Um, on transitioning from being uh, identified born as a male and then transitioning to be a woman and um, an episode on millennial marriage about that was was one of my favorites (laughs) (laughs) that's one of my favorites yes they oh darian and jasmine and jasmine did such a great job they did great they did amazing 
We talked about courting and attraction. Derek was on the episode. That was fun. Yeah. Yes. Everyone yes. was like, I, I heard that everyone was hitting me up like, oh, so that's what you do. I'm like, you know, you know. <laughs> so check it out, everyone. That was a great episode on court on, on courting. Yes. Courting and attraction season one. We're on season three now. Oh, and you're going to be on season three. You're going to be on season three talking about social media. Social media. Talking about social media. So I have a lot of good things to say about that. So hopefully we record that soon. Yes. So I'm always up to talk about new topics people kind of give me some suggestions and so far i've had good reception but really all that doesn't really matter most importantly it's what i want to do and when i don't want to do it anymore then i won't do it anymore so it's been treating how have your how have your guests been you know responding to it um, how do they like it yeah uh i would say some guests afterwards have said wow that was really therapeutic and that's actually my favorite reaction because I want to hear that. I want them to feel a relief to be able to get it out and to share that part of themselves or that uh, piece of knowledge that they have and really put it into words and let people know. Um, and, and some guests have been really thinking that it was a lot easier than expected. Yeah. Um, and I love to hear that too, because hopefully I made them feel comfortable enough in that episode yeah. to be able to share. And like you said, this is like these are just normal conversations that we're having. And same thing for my podcast; it's called Normally Unstable for a reason. It's mm -hmm. like it's a normal way we're having normal conversation. We just had a normal conversation that we have every single day, and we tackled a lot of different conversations about mental health. But it's something that we all experience, and it's something just normal. I'm trying to normalize that because you don't always have to be in a a therapy setting, um, structure setting to you know talk about mental health. Like yeah. just in this conversation, I thought it was very conversational. We talked about your childhood. We talked about education. We talked about you know the system of you working with kids with uh, special needs. Um, you know we talked about your different coping mechanisms, but it just flew just like a regular normal conversation. Yeah. And we just need more of that. We need more of that that vulnerability. So. Um, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I definitely want to say thank you for, for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Of course, of <laughs> course. So again, um, you know, May, thank you for coming. Everyone, all of her information is going to be in the description below. Make sure you check out her podcast, To Be Discussed. It's phenomenal and it's only getting better week after week. So again, May, thank you so much for coming. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. All right, then, y'all. We're out.